You are listening to the Lumen Christi Institute podcast. Now in its 20th year, the Lumen Christi Institute enriches academic communities at the University of Chicago and across the nation with the wisdom of the Catholic intellectual and spiritual tradition. Today's interview is with Emily Tardivel Schick, Scientific Director of the Chair of the Common Good at the Institut Catholique de Paris. We sat down with Professor Tardivel in the Gavin House Library to discuss her research on the common good and her views on Christian citizenship. Welcome to the Lumen Christi Institute podcast. My name is Michael Bradley. I'm the Institute's Communications and Events Coordinator. And together with Mark Franzen, our Programs Coordinator, I'm delighted to be joined this afternoon in the Gavin House Library by Emily Tardivel Schick. Professor Tardivel Schick is a philosopher, professor, and scientific director of the Chair of the Common Good at the Institut Catholique de Paris. Her present research concerns the conceptual history of the common good and the theme of political theology. Emily is here with us today because she is giving a talk this afternoon for the Lumen Christi Institute, about which we will speak shortly. And she also delivered a lecture on Friday at a conference on political theology hosted by the Divinity School here at the University of Chicago. We'll hear about that talk also. Emily, thanks for joining us today. Let's begin by having you tell us how you got to the point where you are as a French philosopher, a Catholic, doing work at the intersection of politics and Christianity. In fact, I have studied uh, at Sciences Po Paris, uh, which is a, a great school of political studies uh, in Paris. And at the same time, I studied um, philosophy at La Sorbonne. And um, I have written my dissertation on the Czech philosopher Jan Patochka, who was um, a disciple of uh, Husserl and Heidegger. So I worked on uh, his phenomenology and philosophy of history and political philosophy. That was uh, an articulation uh, between uh, my uh, studies in, uh, at Sciences Po and um, the work I have done uh, at La Sorbonne in, uh, in phenomenology. And there was a, a good reception of my dissertation and I was elected in 2010 when I was uh, 29 uh, at the Institut Catholique de Paris. And I'm very glad to be, to be there because that, that, that is a unification of my professional life, my uh, Christian life, faith, and, uh, and thought. So I'm very grateful to, to be there. And um, in 2011, uh, Jean-Luc Marion was a, a professor at the Institut Catholique de Paris. He, he was retired from La, La Sorbonne. And he gave a seminar on the Church Fathers. Uh, but in the perspective to, to, to work on the, the theme of the revelation. But he, he, he worked on the, the, the apologies of uh, Justin, of uh, Tertullian, and it was for me something just great because I, I saw uh, the, that the apologies of uh, Justin and Tertullian could, could answer to, to, to my political questions, okay? So um, I began to, 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 to work on Justin Tertullian and I've uh, written a short book on, uh, on the question of the political thought of uh, Church Fathers. 
so it sounds like pretty early on you became interested in political questions is uh, this the case was it yes. were there certain events in your life growing up that mm -hmm. got you hooked on these topics uh, uh, in uh, in the lycée the french lycée uh, i had a very good professor um professor uh, who was also professor at sciences po and he was a political philosopher he uh, he wrote a lot and he has prepared me to 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 the concourse of uh, of sciences po and he, he gave me uh, the, the taste of uh, political philosophy so that's why i continue uh, after my uh, baccalaureate right you mentioned that at icp your faith and your interests come together very nicely what do you do as the scientific director of the chair of the common good does that entail certain responsibilities a certain research program that you have to focus on the chair of the common good was created um, in 2016 but it is rooted uh, in a former project uh, which was created in 2012 at the institut catholique de paris and uh, the chair of the common good is not a, a chair of teaching but a, a chair of research. And the aim of this chair is to, to explore uh, the history of the concept of the common good and also uh, its actualization, its application in uh, various fields, politics, economy, and also in social and ecological uh, domains. And um, the chair is composed with uh, two committees uh, you have one committee with personalities from the church, uh, from political world, uh, economic world, and also culture and media. And uh, all these personalities um, uh, give uh, the, the, the great strategical orientation of the chair. And you have a scientific committee, of which I am the, the director, and you have uh, in it uh, philosophers, theologians, economists, and jurists. And uh, we, we prepare, uh, we think, and we prepare um, the conference that uh, we, uh, we, we organize uh, each year. Uh, for example, uh, this year uh, on ecology and uh, next year on education. You mentioned that among the people you work with mm -hmm. are ecclesiastical yes. personalities. Mm -hmm. Do you mean clerics? Do you mean the French bishops? with whom you're partnering on some of these projects? Yes, yes. When I, um, I mentioned personalities from the church, for example, uh, in our um, uh, committee of orientation, you have the Archbishop of Besançon, uh, Jean-Luc Bouilleret, and in our uh, scientific uh, committee, we have Eric de Moulin-Beaufort, uh, who is now the Archbishop of um, Reims. Uh, so that's a great joy to, to, to work together with uh, ecclesiastical uh, personalities. It must, be very, it must be very fulfilling to partner with them mm -hmm. to try to produce responses to some of the political issues of the day in France. Yes, yes, we, we have to, 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 to think about um, both the social issues and the uh, ecclesial issues. Uh, so uh, their presence uh, is very, um, very important uh, for, for us. And that's also the, the project to, to discuss with a member of university and with political, uh, ecclesial, uh, social, uh, social world. Because um, we, in the university, the scholars do not uh, invent uh, the issues. And we have to, to, to think about it, uh, right. but not to, to, to invent. So the, the personality of the church, political world, and uh, social world uh, can give us uh, these issues. 
That strikes me as a very admirable situation. I think sometimes in America, people have the perception that professors just stay in their ivory tower and don't get so invested in what's going on. But it sounds like you're saying that what you research is provided you by the society and by these issues that you're all facing there as, as citizens. Let's transition to the two papers that you have presented or will present. First, tell us about what you spoke about on Friday. You were on a panel with Florian Michel. Um, you spoke on Friday morning, I believe, and you gave a paper on, it was a Thursday, Thursday morning, and you presented on some aspect of de Lubac's thought. Tell us about that and tell us why you think it's an important topic. Okay. Well, I gave um, a paper on uh, Henri de Lubac, who was a French uh, Jesuit theologian of the 20th century, and his critique of the theory of political Augustinianism. And uh, this critique is very important also uh, today because this uh, theory of political uh, Augustinianism, uh, which was forged um, in the 30s by uh, Monseigneur Archilière, has broken uh, the Catholic uh, tradition on the political uh, questions. Okay, uh, because when you, you talk about uh, political Augustinianism, you, you do as if uh, Augustinianism and Thomism were two rival movements, okay, in uh, Catholic thought. So Henri de Libac uh, was very careful to, to point out uh, the unity of the Catholic uh, tradition on uh, theological and uh, political questions. So political Augustinianism for um, to Archilière, to Monseigneur Archilière, who forged uh, the formulation, does as if Augustine was the precursor of the defenders of the theocratic political system. Okay, Augustinianism would be um, defined by the tendency to, to conflate uh, the natural and human order and the supernatural order. Uh, whereas uh, Thomas Aquinas uh, was very careful to distinguish uh, between, um, between the two orders. And so I, um, first of all, uh, I, I try to, to, to disconstruct this uh, theory um, of uh, political Augustinianism in order to, to, to highlight uh, to me, the, the authentic interpretation of the city of God of uh, Augustine. Because the city of God of Augustine is not a great uh, Christian uh, political treatise, but uh, rather um, a way of uh, promoting the Christian way of living within the city. And that's the, the articulation, articulation, articulation point uh, between uh, uh, my paper of um, Thursday and uh, my paper today, because I will try today to point out that um, Augustine and with the City of God has uh, given the, the last great apology of this period. And this apology takes frames from um, Justin, the apologies of Justin and uh, Tertullian. And in this period of the Christian uh, and Catholic uh, political uh, thought, you, you have the, the, the strong consciousness that Christian faith uh, does not imply uh, a political doctrine, but Christian faith uh, imply a certain way of uh, living in the city, which appears uh, paradoxical to uh, the classical um, political thinking. The way you just put it puts me in mind of a line from Ratzinger's book, Eschatology, mm -hmm. where he says that 
Christianity does not provide a political norm for political activity, but it does provide a norm for political activity. It's just an ethical norm. So it still has implications for how we live in the polity, but not by virtue of prescribing a regime. This research project seems very timely. It seems that there's a lot of conversation, at least in the American Catholic uh, intellectual sphere, about how to understand the relationship between, say, liberalism and Catholicism. Do you have any thoughts on that debate as you understand it? People are now wondering whether Catholics should be friendly to or skeptical of Western liberal values of the sort that are embodied in the American founding. Do you have any, mm -hmm. any thoughts on this sort of thing? That's a great and a tricky question. Because in fact, I, I think that Catholic people have to highlight the point that the liberal democracy as not by itself the means of uh, its politics, okay? So we have to, um, to reboot the liberal democracy in the Christian democracy because we know that uh, liberal uh, democracy is founded upon the principle of separation uh, of private and public sphere. But this separation between private and public sphere is not the framework uh, uh, of all separation. Uh, the true uh, and the, the, the most profound principle of separation is the separation between temporal and spiritual order. And the separation between the private and the public spheres uh, is just a case of the separation between temporal and spiritual order. Or this separation between a temporal and spiritual order uh, is a great Christian and Judeo-Christian principle. And so would you be skeptical of arguments trying to show that something like a Christian monarchy would be the ideal as far as Catholic faith is concerned? No, no, because there were Christians in the uh, within the Roman Empire, within the the European monarchies, and uh, within the liberal democracies. That's that, that not the point. That's not the question. But Christian faith uh, and its political implication can allow us to to think uh, the, the true condition not of, of democracy of a, 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 a policy. A good politeia, you know, and I um, would say that you have three great conditions. First of all, uh, the non-idolatry of the state. That's very important. Second point, second condition, uh, the search for peace. And the third condition, the respect of um, freedom and first and foremost, uh, religious freedom. So you have three great conditions. I believe that uh, the, the church father uh, have, uh, have seen, uh, have promoted and uh, practiced. That third condition that you mentioned, a respect for freedom, especially religious freedom. Is it your view that the church fathers whom you've studied, that their view is more or less compatible with Dignitatis Humanae and the theory that it embodies? Or do you think that there is a better articulation of a Christian case for religious freedom? The only point that I know that in uh, his apology. Tertullian writes, he addresses this point uh, to the Roman magistrates, pay attention that to retire the, the freedom of uh, religion, it is a crime of irreligion. To not 
accord religious freedom would be a crime mm -hmm. of irreligion. Mm -hmm. You you mentioned in the text that you'll deliver this afternoon for the lecture that your project on Christian citizenship is especially timely in part because today much violence seeks religious justification. Can you speak to that? And can you speak to how you find your research to be very applicable in that respect? We have problems of religious violence. How do you see this research on Christian citizenship to have something to say to that problem, to go toward a solution to that kind of problem? I don't know if it can bring solutions, but the church father and especially Justin was martyr. And uh, today there is a, a great misunderstanding uh, on the word martyr. Uh, martyr is not someone who takes the life uh, to another, mm -hmm. uh, to other men, but someone who is rooted in the passions of love and who, who give his life uh, for the glorification of uh, God without uh, the violence of arms. So that's uh, the point, right. I think. Another question that occurs to me as you're describing your project is this. People criticize Christianity on the basis that for Christians, given our hope for a kingdom not from this world, we will be unable to fully live as political agents because we'll always be thinking about heaven and because this world is passing away that we won't really care as much as we otherwise would. What would your reply be? How would you argue on behalf of a Christian humanism that is faithful to the Lord's teaching, but which also entails that we really care about the polity, we care about the direction of the polity, and about those conditions that you articulated earlier, freedoms, peace, and so forth? In fact, we, we see that uh, Christian and uh, Catholic people are uh, very engaged in social laugh, too much for uh, other people. <laughs> yeah, okay, so um, so and this commitment in social life uh, is uh, required by uh, the gospel and uh, by Saint Paul. Okay, we have to to, to do our duties. Uh, to pay our taxes better than the other people and uh, before the other people. So uh, you have a, a Christian uh, loyalty toward uh, the political power, but you have also this civic attitude is rooted in the uh, rational principle of separation of the two orders in order to prevent uh, the political power to, uh, from idolatry. So the Christians, um, of course, a theological lens on political uh, issues, but uh, this uh, political lens is much more rational than a political lens on political issues. You mentioned that some other, some other Christians feel like Catholics can be too involved in, in social life. In France, you, you have a lot of societal concerns that could be summarized as maybe ingredients of the theological political problem. How should the church and the state relate today, or how do we under, how do we make sense of religious freedom in a, a culture as pluralistic as yours is? How does a Catholic go about determining the appropriate degree of of involvement? How how heavy a footprint, a social footprint, should the church seek to have in society? It's a, a difficult question, but the 
the appropriate degree of involvement uh, in the social life is directly implied by the theological lens that you have on political issue. You have a double uh, impasse for uh, the Christians to be too involved in the world and you, you have at the end uh, a political point of view uh, on the political issues, okay? And uh, to be too, uh, too retired from uh, the social life. So you have to, 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 keep, to keep this uh, theological uh, lens and to, to, have, to, to have in mind that you are not here to, to promote um, a political doctrine uh, or political uh, regime, but to justify uh, it, uh, not to um, criticize uh, it, but to, to act always in the, the sense of the love of God and uh, the love of uh, the others. Some Christian philosophers in America take the view that the best thing for Catholics to do would be to not vote because by refusing to vote, you thereby signal your objection to a broken system. Do you have any thoughts on that? Does your research on the father's views on how the Christian should relate to the state have any implications, you think, for how Catholics yeah, think about voting? I think that the, the Christian have to vote. They must uh, have a, a civic attitude, and uh, the vote is uh, the, the first, the first degree of uh, citizenship. So, f so the Christian have to vote, but uh, the Christian know that any political program uh, uh, can match with their face. Okay, so you 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 have to keep in mind that uh, you have to vote in the light of the requirements of the common good, and uh, especially with the in the light of the requirements of the universal common good. Uh, that's um, an important point of uh, that uh, that question. In in France, also uh, in the last um, uh, presidential uh, elections, the second. Uh, tour, you have the choice uh, between uh, Emmanuel Macron, who was uh, our Hillary Clinton, and Marine Le Pen, uh, who was uh, our um, Donald Trump. So Catholic people uh, were, in fact, convocated to, to, to vote, but this vote was uh, indeed an impossible choice. Uh, but Catholic uh, people know that the uh, economic program of uh, uh, Emmanuel Macron and uh, his view on the diplomatic uh, relation and all that uh, was better than uh, the, the program of uh, Marine Le Pen. Even if the Catholic people are not agreed with the bioethical um, program of Emmanuel Macron. But you have to put in the balance uh, the two and you have to choose. That's a life. <laughs> what is the common good? This is this is a phrase that that's a sort of that, tricky question. This is a phrase. Well, I, I ask because it strikes me that this is a concept or a phrase that even non-Christians are very comfortable using, notwithstanding how deeply embedded in the Christian tradition the concept of the common good is. It's not exclusive to the tradition; it didn't originate in it. But one fears that what is meant by the common good shifts a lot based on who's using it so what what from from a catholic from a christian point of view what is what is the common good i mean you don't have to describe the conditions that what is the definition of the common good is it that set of conditions that enables individual flourishing or is it something mm -hmm. other than that 
But in fact, you have no definition uh, <laughs> of the common good uh, in, in the teaching. philosophical uh, and theological tradition. Even Thomas Aquinas, who uses the term of the common good a lot of times in the um, uh, theological uh, sum, um, yes, uh, you have no answer. But uh, you have a, um, a conception, concept of the common good. And we, as Catholic people, uh, we can base our um, reflection on the um, definition which is uh, given by uh, Gaudium et Spes in um, 1965, um, the Constitution, Apostolical Constitution Gaudium et Spes, the Concile uh, Vatican II. And uh, the common good is all the social conditions uh, which permit to um, people uh, and to um, to individuals and to uh, the, the groups to flourish to to to, uh, to 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 flourish to flourish to 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 flourish and to to obtain uh, their perfection. Okay, so in this uh, definition, you have the social conditions, so uh, the means which are included in the, the concept of the common good, and also uh, the end, the perfection. And after, you, you have to, to, to have, a, to have a, a reflection upon what are these social conditions uh, in each country, each time, and what are uh, the, the ends or the end of individuals and countries, nations. Okay? So... You need to, to, to have a recourse to uh, the secular sciences uh, to, to think about that, okay? Because the, the end is universal uh, and the end doesn't move. But uh, the social conditions are always uh, appropriate to uh, each time, to each country, to each nation. All of what you said makes me only anticipate the more the talk you'll give this afternoon. We look forward to that. We encourage our listeners to check Lumen Christie's website for a video file of the presentation. We'll have audio of the talk up as well. Emily, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been great. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for listening to the Lumen Christie Institute podcast. To access more resources, please visit our website and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The music for this episode sequence for St. Hilarion, is recorded by the Lumen Christi Institute Artists-in-Residence, Scola Antiqua of Chicago, on their CD, West Meets East, Sacred Music from the Torino Codex.